0: The third time Jesus speaks of his approaching death is immediately after the rich man has gone away shocked and sorrowful. St describes how Jesus and his disciples are now on the road to Jerusalem. Jesus spells out even more vividly the fate that awaits him there. Jesus will be mocked, spit upon, flogged and killed. But still the disciples do not get it and still they don't understand what being a follower of Jesus is all about. Instead, two of the disciples, James and John, approach Jesus and ask him to grant that they sit at Jesus' right and left when he comes into his glory. Jesus tells them that they don't know what they are asking. Can they drink the cup he drinks? Can they be baptised with the baptism he is baptised with? They say they can, and Jesus says they shall. But, he tells them, It is not for him to say who will sit next to him when he comes into the glory of his kingdom. These positions, Jesus tells them, are for those for whom they have already been prepared. All this severely annoys the other disciples who are jealous of James and John and so yet again Jesus explains that anyone wanting to be his disciple needs to have a different perspective to that of the world around them. Jesus says to them, Whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. Three times Jesus speaks of his death, and three times Jesus tells them that following him means a complete change of attitude and behaviour. His disciples are to become like him in their service of others. As Jesus says, For the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. At Caesarea Philippi, Jesus has told them they must deny themselves. At Capernaum, that whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. In the region of Judea, that many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. And on the way to Jerusalem, that whoever wishes to become great among them must be their servant And whoever wishes to be first among them must be slave of all. Jesus' teaching about what it means to be his follower is absolutely clear. Following Jesus means denying oneself, becoming a child without power or position, removing anything that gets in the way, accepting the cup and baptism of Jesus' suffering and dying with him and for him. At first, the healing story with which St Mark closes this section of the Gospel seems not to be related to what we have been reading in chapters 8-10. to Indeed, we haven't read of Jesus healing anyone for a while. Why does St Mark include this story here? Jesus and his disciples are now at Jericho. Jericho is a famous city in the Hebrew Scriptures and one of the oldest cities in the world, dated by some to 9000 BC. Jericho is some 825 feet below sea level and more than 3,300 feet below Jerusalem. It is 10 miles northwest of the northern shore of the Dead Sea and just 12 miles east of Jerusalem. This is Jesus' last stop before he gets to Jerusalem. As Jesus and his followers are leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, hears that Jesus is passing. Bartimaeus starts crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He may not be able to see, but he recognises who Jesus is. Many tell Bartimaeus to be quiet. Beggars who have nothing are nothing but a nuisance. Jesus, however, tells them, call him. Children and beggars are precisely the sort of people Jesus wants to come to him. The last shall be first. Those with Jesus say to the beggar, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. Jesus asks him, What do you want me to do for you? Bartimaeus replies, My teacher, let me see again. Jesus says simply, Go, your faith has made you well. Bartimaeus does go, he goes with Jesus, he has become a follower. All of which is all very heartening. It's a story with a happy ending before the horror that awaits us in Jerusalem. Saint Mark however wants us to pause for a moment here outside of Jericho and think on what he has been telling us. The fact that Saint Mark chooses to close this section of the Gospel with a story about Jesus healing someone, especially when there haven't been any stories about healing for a while, ought to alert us to the significance of this story beyond the description of a physical healing. St Mark uses this story to conclude this section of the Gospel. This story connects with what has gone before and links to what Jesus has been trying to teach the disciples in this section of the Gospel about the Kingdom of God and becoming his follower. That St Mark intends us to read the story in this way is to be seen in some of the verbal clues he gives us. Let us look then at the story of the blind beggar in the light of the events that precede it and the clues that St Mark gives us. We will do this under three headings. Firstly, the children and the beggar. When people bring children to Jesus, the disciples rebuke them. When Bartimaeus cries out to Jesus, those with Jesus rebuke him. The word St Mark uses in Greek is the same. And this is the first verbal clue that St Mark uses to link the healing of the beggar with a previous event. In both cases, Jesus overrules those who stop the children and the beggar coming to Jesus. This, as we have seen, has been Jesus' constant theme. The first shall be last and the last first. Children and beggars were on the last rung of the social ladder and anyone wanting to become Jesus' follower must become like them. Anyone who wants to enter the kingdom of God must enter it as a child with no rights or status and as a beggar with nothing to offer. Children and beggars have to receive everything they need to live we have to receive the kingdom of God as children and beggars. The kingdom of God is given to those who come to Jesus knowing that they have nothing to give. This is good news for children and beggars. When Jesus tells those with him to call the beggar to him, they say to Bartimaeus, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. At every Eucharist, Jesus speaks these words to us. The first of the comfortable words at the beginning of the Eucharist is, Hear the words of comfort our Saviour Christ says to all who truly turn to him. Come to me all who labour and are heavy laden. Many of us do feel like we are labouring and are heavy laden. Many feel crushed and overwhelmed by life. Life is demanding and we daily face many challenges in it. The technology that is meant to make our life easier often only serves to complicate it further. Many, not sure where to turn, turn to life coaches, counsellors and the experts of the self-help industry, all of whom advise us to turn to ourselves. You can do it, they tell us. The Gospel tells us you can't do it. The Gospel tells us that if we want to receive eternal life, abundant life, life with meaning and purpose, then we need to receive it as children and beggars. We need to see ourselves as those who are powerless and helpless. The world tells us to turn to ourselves. The Gospel tells us to turn to Jesus. We truly turn to Jesus when we come to him as children and beggars. We come to Jesus as those who are spiritually blind and who can't see the way. Those who turn to Jesus don't know all the answers, but they believe that he does. So if you are seeking for the answers to life's questions, if you are looking for help and guidance so you can see your way, Jesus says to you, take heart, get up, he is calling you. Secondly, the rich man and the beggar. Unfortunately, there are many who want to come to Jesus, but who want to come to him on their own terms. They are perfectly sincere and even keen in their desire to be religious. Like the rich man in the Gospel, they run to Jesus and even kneel before him. They have kept all the commandments. They do all the right things. Their life is not a mess, anything but They have a nice partner, nice family, nice house, nice job. They are holy and happy. But they want to stay that way. How can they be certain that they will be okay after death in the way they are before it? What must they do to be sure of eternal life? As the saying has it, you can't take it with you. No, you can't. Death takes everything from us. Jesus, however, goes further and tells the rich man to give away everything he has now. Jesus doesn't tell everyone to give away everything they have, but he does tell everyone that they need to break their attachment to everything they have. We all have to leave behind our love of wealth and material possessions. We all have to come to Jesus as beggars who have nothing. There is a detail in the story of the beggar that it is easy to miss. When Bartimaeus is told that Jesus is calling him, he throws off his cloak, springs up and comes to Jesus. His cloak is all he has and he abandons it to come to Jesus. There is more. Those following Jesus as they leave Jericho are afraid at where the journey is going to lead. Jesus doesn't ask Bartimaeus to follow him to Jerusalem But Bartimaeus doesn't have to be asked. He is going to follow Jesus come what may. His faith has saved him and he follows Jesus without having to be asked. The rich man is asked but chooses to go away. Jesus told the rich man he lacked one thing and invited the rich man to follow him. The rich man refused because he wouldn't let go of his wealth. The rich man came to Jesus searching for answers but went away shocked and sorrowful because he didn't get an answer he liked. It's a warning to us that meeting with Jesus can leave you worse off than you were before. The disciples were shocked. If a rich man can't enter the kingdom of God, who can? Bartimaeus provides the answer. Those who are willing to receive the kingdom of God as a beggar those willing to leave behind even the cloak on their back. We may not express it in the same way as the disciples, but we think like them. Who do we look up to? Who do we choose as role models and for the leading positions in the church? We don't invite children and beggars to give talks in church, chair our committees, write books or star in videos. However, the moment a celebrity appears in church or someone successful and powerful comes along, everyone soon knows all about it. What we are saying by our attitude to those who are rich, powerful and popular is that it is those who are successful in this life who are the ones that we trust to lead us into the next. Think about that for a moment and think whether that's what Jesus teaches. Jesus Saint Mark told us loved the rich man, not because he was rich, but in the hope the rich man would sell all he had and become a beggar. We don't today know the rich man's name. We do know the name of the beggar. Many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. Thirdly, James and John and the beggar. It appeared as if James and John had left all to follow Jesus. They had certainly given up their day jobs and their possessions. They are not far from the kingdom of God, but they are not quite there yet. The question that Jesus asks the beggar is the same question he asked them. What do you want me to do for you? James and John know exactly what they want Jesus to do for them. James and John want to share Jesus' glory as they sit on his right and on his left in his kingdom. They think sharing Jesus' glory means position and power. Jesus knows it means suffering and death. Jesus tells them that if they want to participate in his glory, they must drink his cup and share in his baptism. Jesus' glory is inseparable from his crucifixion. Jesus comes into his glory, not after the cross, but as he is nailed to it. And who is it who gets to sit at his right and his left when he is nailed to the cross? Two bandits, one of whom enters paradise with him. The last will be first. Many want what Jesus James and John know exactly what they want Jesus to do for them. James and John want to share Jesus' glory as they sit on his right and on his left in his kingdom. They think sharing Jesus' glory means position and power. Jesus knows it means suffering and death. Jesus tells them that if they want to participate in his glory, they must drink his cup. And sure, in his baptism, Jesus' glory is inseparable from his crucifixion. Jesus comes into his glory, not after the cross, but as he is nailed to it. And who is it who gets to sit at his right and his left when he is nailed to the cross? Two bandits, one of whom enters paradise with him. The last will be first. Many want what James and John asked for. They want prosperity, promotion and for life to be pain-free. Jesus instead asks us, his followers, whether we can drink the cup of sacrifice, service and suffering. James and John want glory. Bartimaeus wants mercy. Bartimaeus the beggar knew his need. James and John the disciples had yet to discover theirs. We need to discover our need. When we pray, our prayers are rarely for eternal life and an increase in holiness, but for a better life and an increase in happiness. God does answer our prayers and he gives good gifts to his children. The sick are healed and miracles still happen. But what we want is not necessarily what we need. Our need is for mercy. Our need is for Jesus. Our church is to be a place where people find mercy, where the blind receive their sight and where people hear Jesus' words to them. Go, your faith has saved you. And so Jesus asks us, what do you want me to do for you? The Blessed Virgin Mary said, God fills the hungry with good things, but the rich are sent empty away. Not sent away because they are rich, but because they refuse to admit their need and let go of their wealth on earth so that they may have treasure in heaven. If you come to Jesus confident in yourself, certain of your own abilities and looking for glory in this world, you will go away empty But if you come to Jesus as a beggar, looking for mercy, for forgiveness and for strength to live your life to the glory of God, you will go away full of good things. So again Jesus asks us, What is it you want me to do for you? Amen. James and John know exactly what they want Jesus to do for them. James and John want to share Jesus' glory as they sit on his right and on his left in his kingdom. They think sharing Jesus' glory means position and power. Jesus knows it means suffering and death. Jesus tells them that if they want to participate in his glory, they must drink his cup and share in his baptism. Jesus' glory is inseparable from his crucifixion. Jesus comes into his glory not after the cross, but as he is nailed to it. And who is it who gets to sit at his right and his left when he is nailed to it? Two bandits, one of whom enters paradise with him. The last will be first. Many want what James and John asked for. They want prosperity, promotion and for life to be pain-free. Jesus instead asks us, his followers, whether we can drink the cup of sacrifice, service and suffering. James and John want glory. Bartimaeus wants mercy. Bartimaeus the beggar knew his need. James and John the disciples had yet to discover theirs. We need to discover our need. When we pray, our prayers are rarely for eternal life and an increase in holiness, but for a better life and an increase in happiness. God does answer our prayers and he gives good gifts to his children. The sick are healed and miracles still happen. But what we want is not necessarily what we need. Our need is for mercy. Our need is for Jesus. Our church is to be a place where people find mercy, where the blind receive their sight and where people hear Jesus' words to them. Go, your faith has saved you. And so Jesus asks us, what do you want me to do for you? The Blessed Virgin Mary said, God fills the hungry with good things, but the rich are sent away empty. Not sent away because they are rich, but because they refuse to admit their need and let go of their wealth on earth so that they may have treasure in heaven. If you come to Jesus confident in yourself, certain of your own abilities, And looking for glory in this world, you will go away empty. But if you come to Jesus as a beggar, looking for mercy, for forgiveness and for strength to live your life to the glory of God, you will go away full of good things. So again, Jesus asks us, What is it that you want me to do for you? Amen.